rock and our salvation. In Him we trust alone. Amen. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, it's, uh, we just want to uh, just bring you a couple of up, little updates, maybe from Uganda. Could say a lot, but uh, uh, the uh, the move of God over there in Uganda continues. You can put those. You have that up there. Very good. Uh, more baptisms. Amen. Another, I think, 75 people baptized the other day and and uh, just uh, continued lineups for baptisms. And, and uh, you know, in, in this church, it was amazing. I, I, I had, they sent me some video, but the video wasn't very good, so I couldn't really show it to you in that they had two older people in the church, one old man that was so stooped over and one old sister that only comes to church in a wheelchair, but they would not be forsaken. They were carried into the waters of baptism and baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we thank God for that. Amen. God is faithful. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how crippled up you are. If we got to carry in the waters of baptism, we'll do it. Amen. You must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother uh, Stephen Abali also sends his greetings. Uh, he met with these two brothers. The brother on the right is Brother Rogers. Brother Rogers is a, a new uh, believer. He's a minister and has really dug in and taken a hold of the Word of God. And he introduced Brother Stephen to the uh, minister sitting next to him here who is a pastor and he is over about 30 churches. And uh, they'll be ministering to them this coming Saturday. So we'll want to be remembering that in prayer. So this coming Saturday, they'll have about 300 mostly ministers, I understand. Uh, I don't understand how it can be mostly ministers, but that's what was told to me. Uh, but uh, it can just continues to spread and continues to spread. And uh, my heart is that we can do all that we can do to support them there. Amen. And uh, thank you, that musicians, that's all the singing that we will do. Um, I will just say that uh, I want to bring greetings from really all, all over the world. Everywhere I speak to, I'm uh, sometimes on the phone at length in India uh, or Africa uh, and in different places around North America or Europe. And they always say, greet Brother Biscoll for us. And so greetings to Brother Biscoll and greetings to the church from all over the world. You're much appreciated. I know Brother Stanley from India would want me to greet you, and and we give you our greetings back, Brother Stanley. I know they'll be watching tonight and streaming, either streaming or watching the service afterwards. Um, Brother Gilbert sends his greetings. Uh, Brother Gilbert's in Africa right now, and I just wanted to mention it because uh, many of you uh, brothers and sisters from Africa go back to Africa to visit. And if you're making a trip to Africa, we would like to know about it. Because uh, I sent with Brother Gilbert uh, three toner cartridges for the print stations in uh, Uganda and Rwanda. And so if, if any of you here or if you're streaming this service and you're traveling to Africa, the cheapest form of shipping to Africa is your suitcase. <laughs> and so if you're if you're heading that way please let us know if we could even slip one toner cartridge into your suitcase and have you drop it off in the country where you're going to that would be a blessing to the bride of Jesus Christ 
and it's something that you can do for the body of Jesus Christ. So uh, please let us know if you're traveling that direction. Um, also, uh, Brother Mark came specifically before the service and says, please tell them that there is a new poster in the fellowship room for Bibles for Uganda. And uh, there he is up there. And so please draw their attention to that so you'll want to be sure. He says all the details are on there. And so you can have a look at that poster that's in the fellowship room. Praise the Lord. And so much is happening over there and continue to pray for what's happening in Uganda. Let's take our Bibles and stand together. Just a short update. Turn to the book of Ruth, if you would, with me. Ruth chapter 2. Right after the book of Judges. Very small book in the Bible. You know, but an amazing book, really. Really amazing because it it really um, brings the shadows and types of God's redemptive plan and a kinsman redeemer. And, you know, as I said, I think last time that I ministered, uh, sometimes theologians don't really know what to do with the book of Ruth. And... Uh, I, I praise God we're not under theologians. And what we heard this morning, you didn't get from a theologian. It was good to sit under the oak tree this morning and, and hear him expound upon the Word of God. And I sure enjoyed that this morning. And, and uh, uh, the more you realize what they didn't have, it more causes us to appreciate what we do have. I hope that you are as thrilled or more thrilled than I am at what we have in this message in this hour. And it's not what I think or I, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to say a lot of eyes. I, I, I remember Brother Ibali when he was preaching on humility, he said, you know, he says sometimes there's too many eyes in the, in the sermon. There shouldn't be a lot of eyes. There should be a lot of him. A lot of, a lot of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters what He thinks. And when we leave this service, may the Holy Spirit be pleased with what takes place tonight. Are you with me? Amen. We want Him to be pleased and, and, uh, we've come, as Brother Andrew even said, not just to receive, but we come to worship. Or as it says in the book of Job, we've come to present ourselves before the Lord. You know, what, what, what would you have us to know, Lord? What would you have us to do? Is there something in my life? Is there anything in my life that you want to examine and expose tonight? How many would say that? We want to be right. We're living in a late hour. And we don't want anything left undone. As Brother Branham said, we don't want no trouble at the river. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Wonderful Heavenly Father, as we stand in your presence, we're conscious, Lord, that this is not a gathering for a lecture or just some kind of human instruction, Father. But yet, the Word of God is profitable for instruction. It's profitable for rebuke, for reproof, for understanding. It's so, Lord, so rich in its content and fabric. Lord, as we stand in your presence, we can be in such expectation that just one scripture will benefit us for the word of God cannot fail. Though heavens and earth would fail, your word will never fail. 
And as we gather our thoughts together, we want to be in one mind and one accord, Lord. We want that the Holy Spirit, you are the Holy Spirit. We want that you would move amongst us, Lord. This is a sacred place to us. We have set it aside that you might deal with the children of God in this place. Lord, we keep it sacred. We don't, we don't, uh, uh, as we say, uh, play around in here. We don't, you know, do worldly things in here. We have this room because of one purpose. We come together to meet with God. And Lord, we welcome you to take the preeminence and, and Lord, may you take the minister and may you take the congregation into your hands lord you are the one that knows and discerns every thought of every heart and you're able lord to direct this ministry this part lord even i can't hardly find words to express the burden of my heart but lord you're able to just take everything under your control and just use this meeting for your glory and your honor We ask your blessing on it, Lord. Bless the speaker, the hearer. Meet the needs, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read verse 12. Let's start at verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, "It It has fully been shown me, All that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father, thy mother in the land of thy nativity and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Amen. The Lord add His blessing to the Word. You may be seated. Brother Biscoe said this morning that maybe we'll get the icing tonight. Well, if we had the cake this morning, maybe we can just have a little bit, and I hope that it's sweet. Uh, icing is usually sweet, you know. That's how it works. But, you know, we've been speaking about Ruth and 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 how that uh, how that she is made a great decision and she came to serve for her mother-in-law and went out to be gleaning although it was never recorded that Naomi was gleaning and how that Ruth was was serving the family in that way and brother Branham speaks of her and talks about how that she went through these four different stages and how that she decided we find Ruth deciding we find her serving we find her then resting as she comes to the place of her rest and then we come to her rewarded and so uh we dealt last time on Ruth and talked about her resting and coming to that place of rest and but now as we read the scripture it's an interesting statement that Boaz makes because Boaz is is really saying something that's quite prophetic here and we don't really understand or necessarily know how much Boaz meant by this but the the meaning in the Hebrew of these words is very very powerful as he says the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel 
So he's not saying, may some man bless you, or may you have a wage. Although to say full reward means a complete and perfect wage. It means, in other words, something that is that is appropriate to what has been labored. Or something that, that is commensurate with, with whatever has been given in the form of effort. And it actually is the word, uh, the word full here, which means complete, is actually the word in the Hebrew shalem, which the first derivative of shalem is shalom. And so you see the connection there to peace because we realize the Lord is our peace. The Lord is our shalom. And, and so there, there, there's a link here in the Hebrew language that begins to connect now as he's, he's not just saying, may you have a reward. He's saying, but rather, may you have a full reward, a complete reward. The Lord knows what her reward should be. So, so Boaz is maybe looking at this woman and all that she's entering into, and he's saying, now there will be something that will be given to you, but I'm not the one to give it to you. There is one that knows better than I do. There's somebody that knows your position. There's somebody that knows your heart. There's somebody that knows what you're going through, and that somebody is not a human person. So many times, you know, we look for human sympathy. We look for somebody to pat us on the back. We look for somebody who says, oh, you know, you're going through a rough time and I understand and, and I, I, I see what you're going through and all of that. But he's saying to Ruth, you know, no human being can really comprehend. He says, I've heard how that... You know, when you lost your husband, you stuck with your mother-in-law. You left your mother and your father. I've heard of all these things that have happened. He says, and may God, the God who I serve, also see what your situation is. And may he give you what your reward is. See, God knows where you came from. God knows what it took for you to receive the message. And not just here, but around the world, there's people that are, that are going through difficult times. God knows what it is in China to receive this message. It's not, it's not something that can be publicly displayed. And, and as time, if the time would go on and Brother Murphy knows and maybe will give us a report in the days ahead, ahead, but as time goes on, it may be even more difficult for the believers there like it was for them in the past. But there's a price that is paid, but God sees that price. God sees that labor. There's those in Uganda that have been forsaken of, uh, of churches which they have put money into, which they have put labor into, which they have uh, helped to purchase that land, but because some denomination owned the title, the denomination said, if you don't adhere to our creeds, you're out. If you're going to believe this message, you're out. Even though you can take them right to the Bible and say, everybody that was ever baptized in the Bible was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other form of scriptural baptism. That doesn't matter. It's what the church says. And if you're not going to follow the church, you're out. You might have come through opposition. You might have had opposition from family like I did. You might have had people that were against you and, and friends that were against you or workers, co-workers that were against you. Listen, if they're against the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be against you. 
Jesus said, if they persecuted the master of the house, much more the, uh, the servants that are in the house. And, and so there, there's a reality of a price to be paid. Jesus says, forsaking all, take up your cross and follow me. Amen. So, you know, and Brother Branham, I was reading uh, last little while where Brother Branham said, you know, anybody that will ever tell you, any minister that will ever tell you, you know what, it'll be okay for you. Just serve God and everything will go good. Either he, either he's lying to you or he's never experienced the truth himself. And he's not really born again. This gospel way is not an easy way. It's a harder way. But it's God's way and it's the truth. And we believe it because it's real to us. Not because it's easy. I got less amens on that. Amen. Not because it's easy, but because it's the truth. God has revealed himself to us. You know, even uh, the reward, the Lord knows. I want to speak on the reward. And if the Lord allows me to get through that quickly, I want to move on to the rejoicing of the reward. And so we'll see how far that we get this evening. We're not, we're not going to keep you long. We want to make it, like I say, just the icing on the cake. We don't want to give you another whole cake to eat. Amen. We had a good, good meal this morning. Paul says about, uh, about even the negative side in Second Timothy. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. He says, but then he says, the Lord reward him according to his works. So even on the negative side, the Lord knows how to reward. You know, it's not for us to say, well, this one deserves this or that one deserves that. The Lord reward him. You know, we, we, we hear of the, the terrible, uh, shooting in the synagogue in the United States here. Just was it yesterday or the day before? Just an awful heinous thing. I'll tell you what, they can try him. They can kill him. But worse than that, there's a judgment day that is coming where God will reward every man or woman according to their works. It's not just what, what we can do to them according to the laws of the land. But, the, but God knows, God has his eyes on the believer. You know, when it, God said to Abraham, he said to Abraham in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. And I'll, I'll, that statement, fear not, will come back to us. But fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Amen. Amen. Don't worry what you've been through. Don't worry that Lot has separated himself from you. Don't worry about the turns that life has taken and you seem like you're standing on your own. Don't worry. I'm your reward. Amen. I'm the one that, that is going to reward you and give you what you will desire, what you will uh, enjoy. And Colossians chapter 3, it says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of an inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. That makes every labor a little bit easier. There's a reward that's more than the reward that we get in this world. There's something that's greater than what this world has to offer us. And what did Ruth get? Ruth got Boaz. Brother Brown says in Kinsman Redeemer, they got married 
And through that come this great thing. Then Ruth was rewarded by getting Boaz for her husband, which the church is rewarded when the coming of the Lord shall come on that bright and cloudless morning. Amen. You know, there is a reward in just keeping the word of God. I enjoyed what Brother Tom had to say Wednesday night about telling the truth. You know, it made us all think, didn't it? Created some discussion in our home of what, what does it mean to, to shade things and what does it mean to have guile and what does it mean to, to do this and that and, and you know, uh, I think that's, that's good. Those kind of subjects cause some examination. Lord, is there anything that I'm doing? Is there anything that I'm saying that's maybe not exactly right? You know, the, the Bible says in Psalms 19, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I know you know this, this is why I'm not having you turn to it. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them, there is great reward. We are, we've come to the end of time. You know, we serve a God that doesn't know time. It's an amazing thing. I was studying while I was away on a subject that I had preached here about God being light and we are the children of light. And then I preached it in both Grand Prairie and Edmonton. But I, I got to thinking about uh, what would it be like to travel at the speed of light? What, what would that be like? And so... You know, I thought Google knows everything, so I'll ask Google. And, uh, and so I came, I came across a, a statement by a, I was just kidding, Google doesn't know everything, but, you know, that was meant to be sarcastic. But, well, I came across a professor answering this question for somebody. And he, and he talks about the relationship of of uh, speed and time and all of that and light. And he says, uh, first of all, it's impossible to move faster than the speed of light due to the laws of physics. And he throws an equation in there which is not important. Uh, he says, so it's impossible for an object with mass to travel at the speed of light. All right. So... We have to make this question, he says, a hypothetical one. So something with mass cannot travel at the speed of light. He says, if you could travel at the speed of light, then you would only travel through space and not through time. I thought that was a powerful statement. This comes from Einstein's discoveries, of course. He says, so in other words, once you achieve light speed, you get to your destination immediately regardless of how far away that destination is. Sounds like traveling in a thought. 
He says, he says, everybody, uh, everybody that moves through at speed of light, you move, everybody that moves rather, he says, moves either through time or space. And now I have to kind of explain it because I begin to think about it and try and distill it down for my simple mind. And so he's saying, he's saying, if you travel the speed of light, you travel through space, but not through time. So he says, uh, traveling, uh, in, in, and speed, in traveling in speed, space and time, I'll just say the words are inversely proportional. All right. The more, the le- the more speed you have, the less time it takes. All right. And the more time, the less speed. Okay. So if you reach the speed of light, you reach zero time. All right. But the slower you go, the longer it takes to get to your destination. So, We could say then that God is light. Then God knows no time. Even science tells you that. So God only goes through space. And all God has to do is think of you and he's there. God is not bound by time or space. Because God is light. And so the only way that we could escape time then is to become light. Or more accurately, according to the scripture, the children of light. And so we realize then that science is is trying to grasp these laws of physics. And they say, when you have mass, you can't reach the speed of light, etc. Well, I'll tell you what, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. And this mortal will take on immortality. There's, we're in the, the end of the time of redemption. We've come to the place where the sons of God are going to be caught up into the presence of God. That we're going to move from this time dimension into a timeless dimension. Where you could say maybe it's all space, but it's no time. As Brother Branham said, there's no tomorrow and there's no yesterday. It's all today. All you have to do is is think of something or think of somewhere and you're there. Because you're traveling at the speed of light. Even science tells us that. Now they can't figure out how to get there because the only way to get there is not a science textbook. It's this book. That's the only way that a, that a child of God, a son or daughter of God is going to be there. So we're, so when we get there to the other side, we will meet people who really did something when we get on the other side. Not the ones that have just been in this place, but when we get to where the rewards are going to be given out, I believe that what we will see there will be perhaps a lot different than what we see here. Or let me put it this way, how we, how we are judged over there will appear a lot differently than the way that we are judged here. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, just for a moment. I think that when we get on the other side, the rewards will be given out to those maybe that uh, we're not expecting that we'll receive great rewards because there's a lot of things that are done for the Lord in secret. And when the when it's done for the Lord in secret, he will reward that openly. Now, so Matthew chapter six and verse one. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. 
Therefore, when you do, thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now this can apply to a lot of things in life, but specifically he's talking about alms here, that if you're, if you are, uh, if someone is being very visible with something or gaining some fame in this world because of what they're doing, that in itself is the reward. But those that do it secretly shall receive a reward of the heavenly father. All right. Are you with me on that principle? All right. So verse three, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, that thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. All right, so there's a principle there. Verse chapter, same chapter, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Alright, so now he's saying, fasting of course is a labor, it's a sacrifice. The body, uh, you know, does not want to not eat. Many times we come to a place in life where we're burdened for something and therefore eating becomes secondary to us. And, and, and so we might fast for a season. Brother Branham said, I never fasted more than three days in my life. And so we hear in these, in this statement though, he says, when you do fast, don't do it to make yourself something. Do it secretly. Do it as unto the Lord. But verse 17, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I've, I've had the opportunity to share with you a lot of what's going on in the missions field. I've had over the past few years, had the privilege of traveling to different places around the world to see the need and to meet real men and women of God. I've had, uh, it's been a blessed opportunity for me and, and uh, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Very thankful to be working with Brother Biscoll and, and uh, very grateful for what the Lord has allowed me to do. But having met all of these people or having brought back pictures brought back reports, brought back stories of, uh, of, of maybe misfortune or need or, or in many places deprivation or, or great suffering. It might be the first time or, or that that particular need or that particular place has been brought into public view. And we don't do it just to make a public show out of it. We do it with one purpose in mind, and that is by making the need known, God can put a burden on somebody's heart to help to meet the need. That's the reason that we do it. But uh, 
having met many people and, and you've met them through the reports maybe for the first time and you've prayed for them. And God bless you for praying for them and you've given. But there's many people that will never be visible. And when we arrive at that day where the rewards will be given out, uh, it probably won't be the most eloquently spoken person that will be deemed as the greatest preacher by the Lord. Or the ones that maybe were the most visible. Per, perhaps there's even a minister that doesn't, e- that you don't even know. You've never heard their name. But what they have stored up great rewards in heaven. And I want you to, I, I want, I, I've had in my heart to somehow convey the reality of this, so may the Lord help me. But some man that because he received the message, he took this message to his people, unknown by the rest of the world, not looking for accolades, not looking for position, not looking for money, not looking for something in this world, but known by God and because of, as Brother Murphy has ministered, because of the burden of the word, he has taken the message to thousands upon thousands of the elect. I tell you this evening, he will have a great reward. Perhaps maybe even it's been a translator. And there'll be many translators when they get on the other side. That without the translator, there would have been no way for somebody to hear that message. Somebody that didn't speak English or any other language or they, they needed something specifically in their language. Brother, brother Hugh has worked a little bit in the German language and brother Kobus has worked with a, a number of brothers with his program, uh, his uh, software in different languages. And, you know, we're actually getting on the message up between three and six translations a day. New translations that are being uploaded and, and being finalized and corrected and then published and, and ready for the world to read. But, but the object is not to make the message have something popular. The object is that somebody on the other end, and I, I was, uh, talking to the brothers in the Telugu the other day and, and brother Freddie Gray, who also sends his greetings. Brother Freddie Gray was telling me, he says the brothers over in the mountain areas, he says they don't have internet. They don't have, uh, uh, cell coverage. He says, but they, but they get the smartphones, he says, so that they can go into the city. And they can connect to some Wi-Fi network and they can download the latest translations off the message hub. And then they take it home on their smartphone up into the mountains and they read it there. That's how precious the word is. But somebody had to translate it. And I say, great is that translator's reward. We got translators right in our own church. Great efforts has gone on in the past in the Vietnamese language and, and hundreds of Vietnamese translations were, were done. God bless Brother Timothy Ma. Brother Murphy Wong and, and, and his team of translators in the Chinese language. Great will be their reward. You know, it's not a public thing and it's not an easy thing. Because you gotta set yourself alone in secret in a place that's quiet that you can just focus on that. There's no fellowship there. There's nobody patting you on the back. 
Even maybe their wives are saying, you know, we hardly see you, but great is their reward. There's a great reward for all of these labors that are going on. And I guess I'm, I'm speaking tonight on the reward of labors. The reward that, that is for those that serve the Lord. And because of that, because of the translation effort all around the world in all the different languages, by all this, and by no means is the message hub the only place to get translations, but I'll say right now it is becoming an integral place amongst the message. And, I, and I'm not saying that because we're sponsoring that. I'm just saying that it came by a vision. And, and it's become very fruitful. And it's become very useful to get the message out. And because of that, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands that are able to receive rapturing faith. But somebody had to labor. You could talk about the labor of just designing the message up and keeping it up to date by the brothers that work in the software, all of these things. I tell you, great is your reward. And I'm not saying that to pat you on the back, that my pat on the back is your reward. I'd, I'd rather not say anything, but I'm, I, I'm saying it for a purpose for everybody else that maybe doesn't have a burden, doesn't have a vision, doesn't have something they're doing. Listen, there's time is going to run out. And, and I have a quote here for this, but time is going to run out and what you obtained in this life will be of no value. Your car, your house, your furniture, your clothes, your whatever more. You might have the latest computer. You might have the fanciest this or that. It won't mean that much. Just any day now. It won't mean just a snap of the finger. It'll be gone. You'll go on the other side of the character with your character and you will go to meet the rewards that you have accumulated by laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ. All of you godly sisters that have supported your husbands or your families. Some of you are single. You've supported the house of God with your prayers and all those things. Let me tell you, there's a reward. As, as Jesus said, when you pray in secret, the father sees he says, and he'll reward all of those things. Great is, these are principles of the scripture. Wonderful principles of the scripture. Brother Branham picks it up in the Smyrnian church age, in the church age book, and he says, since not even a cup of cold water given in the name of the Lord fails to receive a reward, how great will be the reward to him who gives his life as a martyr for the name of the Lord Jesus? He's speaking about martyrdom, but he goes further. Perhaps we can get a small idea if we compare this crown with the crown won in a race. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Know ye not they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. There's a running and there's an obtaining. He says a crown given to the winner of an Olympic race was a garland of olive branches. But the crown spoken of here in Revelation given to the martyr is the crown of royalty. Jesus calls it the crown of life. He says, both, he says, the crown is for those who have striven and the other is for those who have given. And so he compares these two crowns. Now he says, the winners of the worldly race of life. Now here we go. This is my, this is what I want you to catch now. The winners of the worldly race of life will soon lose the joy of the plaudits of the world. Now, he's actually talking about the Olympic race, but I'll, I'll refer to the rat race. The winners of the rat race will soon lose the joy of the plaudits of the world. I just read an article, I think it was yesterday, 
There was a billionaire owned a soccer team in England. You probably, you older brothers from England have probably heard of it. But this guy owned one of the big soccer teams. They call it football in England. And, uh, and so he was leaving the stadium in his helicopter and the helicopter crashed and killed him and everybody on, on the helicopter. He was a multi-billionaire. He was a, a, he was from Thailand. And he had bought this soccer team in thing in 2010. And the soccer team, so, so this man was, 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 um, being exalted by the world. When he, when he bought it, it was nothing. And as he invested money into it, they became the winners of, I think called the Premier League. Is that what it's called? The Premier League over there. And so, so this team was great and this man received great benefits, but where is he now? All of his billions do him no good now. His life came to an unexpected end. And it's over. Whatever rewards he had gained in the race called the rat race were now of no value. Now he was going, perchance he had a reward on the other side. I don't know his life. I don't even know if he was a Christian. I, I doubt it, but nevertheless, I don't know. And, and whatever he, he sowed and did for the Lord, even a cup of water will receive a reward on the other side. But whatever he gained in this world is done. One day a billionaire, the next day it means nothing. And Brother Biscoe said it this morning. The rich and the poor on the cold slab of the morgue are no difference. This is a little bit sobering. It gets better. Brother Brown says... The winners of the worldly race of life will soon lose the joy of the plaudits of the world. Their glory will fail. But those who give their lives for God, either by daily striving or shedding their blood as a crowning sacrifice of their lives, will be given the crown of life. Praise the Lord. He says, all too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. Now he's talking about time management. He says, all too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. Listen, folks, we're in Laodicea. Whether we like it or not, we're here where there are all kinds of natural things that can be gained if we work hard, maybe put in overtime, maybe build up our bank account, maybe have a nicer this or a nicer that. Listen, there's much time that we spend for earthly benefits. Come on. And we're all, the, the devil wants to catch us all in that trap. May the Lord spare us from that trap. Because Brother Branham says, too little time is spent on laboring for the eternal rewards of God. So you make it in life. Maybe you get to 40 years old. Maybe you're wealthy enough to retire. 50 years old, whatever it might be. 60 years old, it doesn't matter. It's just still a very short period of time when you're looking out through the expanse of eternity. You're looking into a timeless dimension where the God of that dimension says, I've got rewards over here for those that will labor for me down in this realm. Praise the Lord. I want to be working here for those rewards, not for the earthly rewards of this kingdom. Amen. That's Christianity. Amen. Our Lord didn't have money. He didn't have where to lay his head. He didn't have where to sleep. He didn't have where, he didn't have nothing in this realm. 
but he was the king of glory. He was the God of the universe. He was the creator of all things. Paul even says in the church, and let me just finish the quote. He says, the recompense of God is too lightly esteemed. If we believe in the reality of the resurrection of the body, how many do? And of an eternal kingdom of substance, then we ought to lay up in heaven those good treasures that are available to faithful saints. Amen. The reward is for labor. Brother, uh, brother Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, I won't read it. He's, he talks about every minister as he builds on the gospel. He says everyone will be rewarded according to his own labor. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, even when you're persecuted, blessed are you. When men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And then he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Hallelujah. So there's a rejoicing in it. He says, for great is your reward in heaven. Now, how many of you are rejoicing when you open up your bank statement and says, it doesn't matter because great is my reward in heaven. Hallelujah. Well, all right, you know. Praise the Lord, brother Tim. I, I'm broke. It doesn't matter if you got rewards on the other side. If you're, if, if your time management is right and you're going to spend the, the correct time. Oh Lord, help us. I hope we're not just caught up in a Laodicean mindset. I hope we're not just sitting here tonight going, well, I got to go to work tomorrow and I got to pay some bills and I got to do this and I got to do that. I hope our, our, our mind is set on one thing and that is I must labor for the kingdom of God. God, give me something this week to do for you. Maybe I can witness to somebody. Maybe there's some way of, of sharing the gospel with somebody. Maybe I can spend a little bit of time in prayer. Give me the right things to pray for. Give me the right kind of a burden, not just to pray all for myself. Amen. You can pray for brother Tim if you don't have anything else to pray for. Maybe your life's going great. Pray for me. You know, there, there's lots of those that need your prayers. And when you spend that time and that effort for God, for the kingdom of God, we are in a kingdom that is not of this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are not of this world. We're living in another kingdom. We operate by another set of rules. We, we think differently and we act accordingly. We act differently. It's not about uh, career management. It's about reward management. Praise the Lord. You know what? I know what it is to be uh, promoted. I know what it is to have a career. I know what it is to be highly thought of in the corporate realm. I, I was when I was younger. And uh, matter of fact, uh, I was, uh, I was, I'll just say this. I was so highly esteemed that even when I left the bank, they wanted me to come back to the bank. And, and so, uh, you know, that's all, all very good and all very nice, but my mind was somewhere else. I couldn't focus on those things. It, it was there, but it wasn't, it wasn't a reality to me. Now to some people, that's the only reality, but it wasn't a reality to me. What was a reality to me was God's light shone on my pathway. And I needed to know Him in the power of His resurrection. I wanted to experience Him. I wanted to see Him do supernatural things. Not just see Him do it in somebody else's life. See Him do it in my life. 
I wanted to see him in my home. I wanted to see him amongst my family. I wanted to see him raise the dead. I wanted to see him deliver the sick. I wanted to see him fulfill all his promises because he's a supernatural God. I wanted to walk by faith and not by sight. I didn't want to be bound by the things of this world. There was something driving me on the inside. I, I maybe didn't understand it at that time, but as I began to grow and as, as God began to open my understanding, I began to realize I'm really of a different nature than this world. The things of this world just don't enthuse me. And you know what? That's hard on the children. I'll just say that it's hard on the children because the children aren't born again. They want to play hockey or they want to play basketball or they want to play soccer or they want to ride a bike or they want to do this and they want to do it with dad and they want to. And it's hard to to bring them over into the place where you're rejoicing in because they're not there yet. And so, while we're, we're thinking about the things of, of heaven, I guess you could say, well, in one way, we don't want to become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. In another way, we want to become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But it's a balance within our lives. Because we're living in this world and we are the expression of God in, a, in this place, in our homes, in our workplace, to our families, to our loved ones. And it creates a... Great burden upon our hearts. Praise the Lord. We've come. We're very near now. Do you realize how near we are to such a perfect and complete rejoicing? If I asked you, how many got things in your life that you're just like, oh man, I wish I didn't have to deal with that. We'd all put our hands up, wouldn't we? Yeah, there's just things in life that, ah, oh, you know, whether it's the sisters go, thinking, I didn't get to the laundry yet. Or, you know, I, the next meal's got to be made. Or the brother that's got to work with an unbeliever in the workplace and he's just got maybe a foul mouth or always, you know, got creating a bad atmosphere or, or, or just little things, you know. Of course, once you get 40 years old, as Brother Bram said, you get a new ache or pain every day and, you know, things in our bodies and things we've got to deal with. Listen, we're so close right now to a place that it will just be rejoicing upon rejoicing upon rejoicing. Think about that, Brother Matthew. I just Sometimes life can be so hard. Sometimes the, the burden of life can be so heavy. The things that go on. Even amongst our loved ones that can be so grievous and so, so awful and weigh so heavy on our shoulders. There's coming just ahead, not too far in the future, a rejoicing that all of those things will just be wiped away. You know, Isaiah chapter 40 says, O Zion, thou bringest good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem, and bring, and that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Now remember when the Bible speaks of Jerusalem, it's a type of the bride. He says, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. Amen. And his work before him. All right. So the coming of the Lord is with great reward. We find many different places in the Bible. You know, many times the greatest rejoicing came after the hardest struggle. 
You know, when, when Israel came out of Egypt and came to the Red Sea and, and they were under threat of death because they were, the, the enemy was, was closing in on them and they were closed in and there was no escape. But then God opened up a way through the Red Sea. You know this, the story. And it was a miraculous deliverance. In other words, it was a deliverance that they could not comprehend how they could ever be delivered. But God came down and told Moses, speak and go forward. And Moses spoke and the people went forward and the Red Sea parted and they crossed over on dry ground and they came on the other side. And as they turned around, the Egyptians tried to come through the same way, but they weren't elected to do that. And the waters closed in on them. I'll tell you what, all of a sudden they realized those Egyptians that we once worried about, we will never worry about them ever again. Hallelujah. That created some rejoicing. Till even Moses began to sing. And then Miriam picked up the, 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 the tambourine, timbrel, I think the Bible says. And she began to, to sing and she began to do a, a song of answering back and forth with the daughters of, of Israel. And they begin to dance and they begin to rejoice. Now just a few minutes ago, they were running for their lives. They were, they had the enemy hot on their tail. But now they're, the enemy's gone and they're just rejoicing. It's like a whole load is lifted off their shoulders. Hallelujah. Multiply it by a thousand times. That's what it's going to be like on the other side. Hallelujah. We're just going to be singing and dancing and shouting and all kinds of things that Brother Tom wishes we'd do over here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some of us old starchy ones, you know, we sit in the service and we just can't hardly move, tap our feet. But praise God, when we get on the other side, I'll tell you what, I shouldn't say this. Even Brother Gill and I are going to dance. <laughs> praise the Lord. We're going to get, we're going to have a jubilee on the other side. <sighs> Glory. It's wonderful. You know, there was David and Goliath. You know, and, uh, you know, over and over there in Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, we won't turn to it, but we find out that the, the, the Philistines, you know, they were, they were there in array and they had this giant and his words were, I defy the armies of Israel today. And he says, give me a man that we may fight together. Pretty simple. Just one man that's brave enough to step up to the plate. Just one person that really believes the message. One person that really, really believes it. And then Saul, the Bible says, and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine. And it says, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Oh my. This is a hard trial. This is something that's heavy upon the people of Israel. And so David, you know the story, David comes down to the camp, he hears the boasting of the Philistine, and to him, it's nothing. Because he's not thinking of earthly reward. Even though Saul broadcasts to the camp, he says, listen, whoever takes this guy on and defeats him, I'll make him rich, I'll make his family free in Israel, and furthermore, I'll even give him my daughter for a wife. And so here, here's the greatest reward that Saul could offer, and it didn't motivate anybody. But David was already motivated. He was already moved. Because there was no reward when he was serving God in secret, and he killed the lion. 
when he was serving God in secret and he killed the bear. He was just working as unto the Lord. He didn't just count those sheep. Well, hey, listen, there's just a few sheep and, and the lion might kill me. It's more important that I spare my life rather than go after the lion and the bear. No, he was doing it as unto the Lord. And so when he comes down into the camp, there was that great Goliath standing there. And David listens to his boast and says, what, this guy, this uncircumcised Philistine, is he going to defy the armies of the living God? Is this trial going to boast itself as more than the promises of God? Come on. Is what I'm going through greater than God's word? No, God's word is greater. God's promise is greater. Amen. If I live or if I die, I will stand on the promise of God. And David took God at his word. And he went from there and took the five stones and he went and, and, and killed Goliath, smote him, smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword. So David ran and stood upon Goliath and he took his sword and he drew it out of the sheath. And everybody's looking in anticipation from Israel. Is he really going to win this battle? What if Goliath get, wakes up right now? But he pulls the sword out and he lifts it over Goliath's head and he just slices down through that neck till his head and his body were in two different locations. That's called disconnected connection. Praise the Lord. Now everybody could see what was happening. And the Bible says, and the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Now they're happy. Hallelujah. Somebody defeated them. This is a great uh, battle, a great struggle, a great threat that was hanging over their heads. Oh, if there was just somebody and all it took was a little boy to take God at his word. That's all it took. And all of a sudden, everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's happy. Everybody's thrilled. Everybody's just so great. Listen, saints, we already have the best message that's ever struck the earth. It's not something that's off in the future. Oh, if we could just have somebody send a message. No, God sent a message. Not only that, God sent a messenger. And that messenger stood in the face of every Goliath. He stood in the face of every denomination. He stood in the face of every adversary. He stood down there in Portland, Oregon. When that giant of a man came to break his neck because he hated preachers. It was a spirit of hatred and a spirit of criticism and everything that was upon that man. And he was going to hurt Brother Branham. But Brother Branham, he stood there. He stood there. Because it was right to stand there. And I'll tell you what, if I'm the last one standing for the message, I'll stand here. If this whole church goes empty, I'll stand here. If all of you decide I'm going out in the world for the rewards of the world, I'll stay and wait for the rewards that are on the other side. I trust I'm not the only one in here that believes that. But God sent a message and I'll tell you what, after this message came, we have no, we have no, uh, real option but to rejoice. You know, sometimes the preachers, I mentioned Brother Tom by name, but we're all like that as preachers. We wish we, the people would rejoice more. We, we wish the people would say amen more. We wish the people would pull more. We wish it was easy for the preacher, just like you wish it was easy for you. Amen. We're all human. 
Amen. And sometimes we just want to get everybody into one mind and one accord because we all believe this God. We all want to see the supernatural. But not to glorify the preacher. God forbid that any one of us would ever stand up here and say, what I really wanted is God, I want you to raise my name. No, Lord, I want you to raise your name. Because if I can get myself out of the way and the name of Jesus Christ be glorified, then when I get on the other side, he'll remember this service. It's not important to me that you walk out of here and say, oh, you know what? Ah, that was one of the greatest services that was ever preached on the face of the earth. That's not important to me. But rather, when I get on the other side, I want to hear, it was well done, thou faithful servant. Remember that night on October the 28th, there was my daughter that was suffering under a complex, or that she was going through this, or there was my son that was battling this in his life, and you allowed me to lead you just to this quote. And you allowed me just to deliver that right through you to that individual so they could go to that person and meet that need and answer that question and cause them. And nobody saw it. But they went out of there with a burden lifted off their shoulders. They went out of that service with God having done something supernatural in their lives. And they don't even realize how supernatural it was. But it was God speaking to them personally. It was the word that Jesus said. The words that I speak unto you. They are spirit. And they are life. They are the power of God. That would just say the right word. And would cause the right thing to be said. Under the right authority. That will deliver God's children exactly as they need it. Hallelujah. So we all gathering our thoughts together because there's another dimension of life that's just pulsating into this realm. I've often, I, I, listen, I tell you what, since I preached on the children of light, I've thought a lot about that. And I realize there's something that God's pulsating. And we realize that the devil has false light, but God's doing something supernatural and spiritual. And he's pulsating it down on our pathway. No difference than like the woman at the well we heard about this morning. It was a light that shone down into her heart from another dimension. She didn't see it with these eyes. She maybe didn't even understand it with this mind. But it began to pulsate down into her soul where a predestinated seed lay. In a midst of a person that had given up on life. But that seed began to say, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've needed. I tell you, it's no difference than a 22-year-old young man over here in the Okanagan in the city of Oliver that was looking for God for, I think, four years by then, wondering, is there even a reality? I, I had left church. My wife and I had said, we're not even done with church. Like, there, there's just nothing here. But then a light come by her way. Some, some, some police officer might think, well, I was just transferred up there with the police and I just was sharing a few things. He didn't hardly even know anything about the message. But what he knew was enough light to change my trajectory. It's powerful. It's powerful. Oh, we could talk about Revelation 5. Because we're living in the time. We're living in the day of the effects of Revelation 5. Many preachers have preached on it. About John. How that he wept. Brother Brown talks about it in many places. Like the, the breach message. 
But he says, but when the lamb took the book, but when the lamb took the book, something changed. He says, talk about a jubilee. Talk about a time. See, the books even sealed in heaven. The mysteries are, say, is my name there? I don't know. I hope it is. But if it is, it was put on the book before the foundation of the world. But the first thing that represented that redemption come from the lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. And he took the book and opened the seal, opened the book and tore off the seals and sent it down to the earth to his seventh angel to reveal it to his people. There you are. Oh my. What happened? He said. The screams, the shouts, the hallelujahs. The anointed, the power, the glory, the manifestation. All of these things. Listen, you realize John was in a vision? Alright, the book of Revelation is a series of visions that are shown to John with symbols representing what was in reality. And so John in this Revelation 5 vision, he sees the 24 elders. Well, the 24 elders are the patriarchs and the apostles. And John's one of the apostles. Hello? And John is seeing himself in a vision. And so he's, uh, someone asked me not too long ago, was John hearing from his theophany? I said, well, not in the form that we hear from our theophany. This was different. It was a vision. And so John now catching this in a vision now, he's seeing something that's a great reality to him. And God is showing him some details. And then as he began to, as it began to unfold, John saw, and I'll have to say it this way, John saw his future self bow down and worship. He saw his future self sing a new song. He saw his future self rejoicing in the great things that God had done in the opening of the seals. Hello, this was going to be still time-wise come back into this dimension now where there is time. This is going to be 2,000 years down the road. All right. But John's seeing it in a vision back in that day. And he knows if he would live that long, 2,000 years down the road, there's going to be a great rejoicing. There's going to be great hallelujahs. Listen, when Brother Branham preached the opening of the book in 1963 in March and preached the seven seals, as the Lamb came to him, the angel of the Lord came to him, service after service, and revealed the mysteries that were hidden under those seven thunders and opened up those seven seals to the bride of Jesus Christ, that the title deed would now be in the hands of the bride. You might look at it on this side and look at a little service in Jeffersonville, but up in heaven there was people rejoicing. Hallelujah. There was angels shouting. There was elders shouting. John was shouting. Everybody was just rejoicing and glorifying the Lamb. Finally, the inheritance is brought back to the hands of those who it was meant for. That's what's happening in heaven. And what's happening on earth? Well, you know, I can't really figure it out. Well, I don't really agree with Brother Branham on that point. Maybe that was just his opinion. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure about this point over here. And, and, you know, I don't see how that ties together with this. And this color, does that really mean that or that color? Or what does the cloud mean? Or did the cloud really appear? Or, or did this happen? Or did that happen? You know, that's what's happening in this realm. But in that realm, hallelujah, in that realm, there's a rejoicing. 
And when the word becomes open to the individual and you see for a reality for yourself, the revealed word is your absolute. It has to cause a rejoicing. Hallelujah. It makes a reality come to pass within our lives. It says this is what is real in this hour. And this is all that is real. Take away all the fake. What are the things of this world become so less meaningful? Oh, Brother Brown says, talk about a happy time when them seals broke. John must have looked in and seen past the curtain of time and said, there's John. Oh, he was so happy. He's at everything in heaven. He must have, he must have really cried out, didn't he? Everything in heaven, everything in earth, everything beneath the earth, every creature, everything else heard me saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and power and might and riches belong unto him. Amen. When the revelation come, when the revelation come that the Lamb, the Redeemer, our kinsman, has come back from the throne of mediatorial work and has walked out here to take his possession. That's the revelation Brother Biscoe was talking about this morning. When it's revealed to you personally, there's something more real than just earthly attractions. It's not sitting at a hockey game and cheering on a team or sitting at some other kind of baseball or soccer. We don't have basketball in Vancouver, whatever more football or whatever it might be. All of those kind of things, you know, that's not the things that we cheer on. You might in the natural. I said to my, my, my daughter, excuse me, my daughter, but I said to my daughter the other day, I says, well, if you're going to a game, you might as well cheer. Why would you go to a game and not cheer? We were just talking about going to sports and this sort of thing and that sort of thing. I says, I says, if I'm, if I'm at a hockey game, I want to root for one side or the other. I want to. That's just the nature. That's just the flesh. You know, I, I, you may not have a flesh still. I still have a flesh. Okay. And, and, and when I'm at a game, it doesn't matter if the young people are playing. Maybe, maybe it's volleyball at camp or something. And, and maybe I got a vested interest in one team because my son or my daughter's on that team. And I say, Amen. Praise the Lord. I got, I got more coming up now. That, you know, little Gideon's gonna, you know, I imagine play a game or two in his life and I'll be there cheering him on. Come on, Shunny. You know, it's. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that we're going to, we do in life. That's just the natural part of life. That's the reality. But how much more so when the word, the supernatural, the eternal, the eternal. Are you here tonight? The eternal becomes real. The eternal is real on Monday. The eternal is real on Tuesday. The eternal is real on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It doesn't matter whether I'm in church. The eternal is real. I was sitting in the service this morning. I was thinking, I just added a few things in my notes here because of the service this morning. I was thinking, my, I believe everything and I've preached everything that Brother Ed said, but it's more real to me now than after this morning's service. I thought, you know, just when he read that, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. 
And I just, I just got looking at that and who he foreknew. That's the alpha. To be the image of his son. That's the omega. But in between the alpha and the omega, the predestination has got to get us there. Whom he foreknew, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. It says it all. The beginning, the ending, and the part that we're in right now. He's doing it. Because who he foreknew, he predestinated. And who he predestinated, he called. And who he called, he justified. And who he justified, he's already glorified. It already was in his thoughts. But the thoughts wasn't just to be a thought. It was, and I, and I was thinking, excuse me, I'm not adding anything to this morning. I was just rejoicing. And I, I was just thinking, you know, he didn't say whom he predestined, or whom he foreknew, those he hoped would be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. Those who he foreknew, those whose names were written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world, he predestinated. In other words, he says, I will make sure you will get to your destiny. You can make any decision you want, but eventually it's going to come back to the plan A, which is the only plan that God has in his mind. Moses thought, I'll just, I'm done. I'm no longer a deliverer. I'm out of here. I I can do nothing. I'm off into the wilderness for 40 years. For you and I would have given up on him. But God knew exactly what he was doing because he knew he'd meet Moses out there on the backside of the desert. And God comes by his way in the pillar of fire and says, I got just what you need, Moses. I got just what you're looking for. You thought it would be in a wife. You thought it would be in farming. You thought it would be in raising children. You thought it would be in this. You thought it would be in that. Well, when you're all done realizing that those things don't really satisfy the inside of the inside, I'll come down and meet you there. Hallelujah. I'll bring the eternal down with me. The thought that I had in my mind before the foundation of the world that I foreknew about you and I'll make it real to you. And then when Moses heard that, he left everything else because nothing else was real to him anymore. Whereas before he knew he needed big armies and organization and training and everything else to achieve in his mind what he thought what it was a deliverer. But when he received the mind of Christ, let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus Christ. When he received the mind of Christ about what a deliverer is, and someone asks, says, where are you going, Moses, with your wife and your two kids and your staff and your hand and your donkey? He says, I'm going down to Egypt to take over. Amen. That was real. That was real. Because that was the eternal that had been quickened into his soul realm. Is this alright this evening? Can I have a few more minutes? Amen. Brother Bram says, in rising of the sun. You know, I thought about that statement. That, may, that statement means so much to me. Can I, can I be personal here for a minute? Listen, I got children that I'm praying for. Is that all right to say that? I look back at my life and I say, you know what? I probably made mistakes. But who didn't? There's none of us that were perfect. And you know what? Could I have done better? I don't know. I did what I did by the grace of God. But I'll say one thing. When I look at my children, 
It's not my efforts that are going to bring them into the kingdom of God. It's going to be who he foreknew. Who he foreknew. Them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. As a father, I pray for them. Lord, don't let them go down that road. There's a lot of suffering on that road. Lord, don't let them go down that road. There's a lot of suffering down that road. Lord, but I cannot make them bride. No matter how much I scream or shout or pray or weep before God in the privacy of my own closet and just lay myself before God and pray for them. And the more children you have, the more you pray. And pray and pray and pray. There's not one prayer that can make somebody elect. But I believe that they are each one elect because they were in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And then I go before God and I say, Lord, they're yours. Lord, I am holding them before you. You said children are. Listen, brother Tom preached a message. He dropped that scripture in there. So help me. He says, the children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the room is his reward. And as I begin to ponder that scripture, I said, Lord, this is my heritage I'm praying for. You gave them to me. I only raised them for you, but they're yours. You got to bring them in. I'm just praying, Lord, and let them come in with as few scars as possible. Any parent believes that. Amen. Any godly parent anyway. He says, Brother Brown says in Rising of the Sun, he says, don't fear anymore. For every foreordained, predestinated seed of God shall come to life when the light spreads across the, across the earth of the glorious gospel. In every age, it'll bring forth the crop that God ordains it to do. Amen. I begin to think about Joshua and Caleb as I, I try and find a way to close this here. How that them knowing the land was theirs. Not that they had the power to produce it, but them knowing God had given that to them, they were fearless. We are more than able to take the land. Why are we more than able? If God before us, who can be against us? Amen. So they walked in the revelation that their predestination was bringing their inheritance into sight and they saw it as a reality. This is my possession. Give me my mountain. Give me my inheritance. Because it's mine because I see who I am. Because God has revealed it to me. Brother Brown said in second-handed robe. I was thinking about this quote when Brother Bisco was preaching. And uh, I hope this is all right. He says, God does the calling. God does the choosing. God does the electing. God does the setting in order. God has said in his church, some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, God does that himself. We cannot make one hair black or white. Brother Bisco was talking about children. What color is their hair going to be? What color is their eyes going to be? He says, neither can we add one thing to our statue by taking thought. God in his infinite grace and by his election and his foreknowledge sets these things in order and every wheel works just right. And then he says, I would be a discouraged man this morning if I didn't believe in the election and calling of God. I say, amen, amen, and amen. Listen, there's enough life's events that are out of our control. 
that we realize if it was up to us, we would be discouraged people tonight. But because of the election and calling of God, we are a people that can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Amen. Amen. He's the one that sends the mighty deliverance. He says, if I thought this world was left to the outcome of it by the power of man, by the wisdom of man, he said, by the big fours and the UNs and who never even mentioned God's name, he says, I'd be a discouraged person. But I'm not looking for that outcome. I look down in the pages of this old book here where God wrote it out and everything will come just exactly the way he said it. And that's all. Let me read that again. Everything will come just exactly the way he said it. And that's all. So the only thing for me to do is not line up with them, but line up with Calvary. Line up with God, line up with His Word, stay in His Word, no matter how much it looks like it's going to be that way. It's going to be the way that God intends it to be. Amen and amen. No matter, listen to what He's saying. This is a prophet of God saying, no matter how much it looks, no matter how much it looks, whatever else, He says, He knows the end from the beginning. He's infinite. He makes everything come to His praises. All things have to work together. He says, my, if that wouldn't make the courage in a Christian. Praise the Lord. That's the courage that David had. That's the courage that Joshua and Caleb had. That's the courage that every overcomer down through the ages had. Is that God keeps his word. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God keeps his word. He says, nothing can go wrong. After all, it's not our Bible, it's His. It's not our wisdom, it's His. The only thing we have to do is put our faith and trust there and just sit still and see the glory of God. See how it moves around to its place and every wheel move in it. It may be scattered from side to side, but it'll move right into its right place when God speaks the Word. He knew the end from the beginning. Alpha and Omega. Amen. He knew who he was going to choose. He knew who Elijah would take. He knew Elisha would take Elijah's place. Everything has to work just exactly right. Here we go. And we're worried about our loved ones and so forth. Will they ever come in? Their names, if they were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, they'll work right in there. That's the only thing it could do. We give witness and shine the light. God does the one that brings it to them. Hallelujah. That might not be correct English, but that's good English to me. God's the one that brings it to them personally. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for that. You know why I'm glad for that? Because nobody was praying for me when I received this message. Nobody. There was nobody saying, Lord, Brother Tim needs this message. Or Tim needs this message. There was nobody praying for me. God brought it by my way. Because he knew there was a son of God there. There was nobody praying for the woman at the well. I'm identified there. There was nobody praying for her when she received the light of the hour. Jesus said, I have needs go by Samaria. Amen. There was nobody. Now, we, we hear the story of Zacchaeus. Well, maybe somebody was praying for Zacchaeus. But maybe that woman that washed Jesus' feet and broke the ointment over him. Maybe there was nobody praying for her when, when the word came by her way. But God came by her way. 
She who to whom much is forgiven loveth much. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? I'm out of time. There'll be one more victory. It's called the final victory. Paul says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're coming down to that. We don't know when it's going to be. I'm believing I'm going to be here to see it. But I believe, I was believing by now I would have already seen it. But you know what? There's something been quickened in me. I can't help but believe it. I'm not believing on my own strength. I was made to believe it. I was ordained to believe this message. I was not molded to the message. I came into existence and God was obligated to send this message that matched my predestinated seed. And when this light came by my way, I couldn't help but be quickened. It wasn't something I tried or I worked up or I had to put some effort into. No, when I began to hear the truth of the word of the hour, it changed my life. And it brought everything in my life into order. And so there's coming a moment when this body also shall be changed. Do I feel like right now it could be changed at any moment? No. Do I feel like it's there's something that's going to transform just any way? You know, sometimes a minister can feel so anointed and inspired up here, it feels so good. But ask him in an hour what he feels like. Up here you can be a superman because you're under the anointing of a greater power. But as soon as you leave here and you come back down in just into the strength of the flesh and the, and with just a new birth holding you on the inside of the inside, you feel like, I hope I never have to preach again. Pre, please, Lord, come before the next service. Because that's just how preachers feel. We don't feel like gods. We don't feel like we're supermen. We're just normal human beings. Many's the time, unfortunately, I've had to go home after a service and Take out the garbage. Take out the recycling. Take care of every little thing. Why? Because that's just human life. But there's something that's more real on the inside of the inside. It says, I don't care. I've seen God do so much. I've seen Him heal the sick. I've seen Him deliver the lost. I've never saved one person in my life, but I've seen Him save a whole lot. I've never healed one person in my life, but I've seen God heal a lot. I've never raised one dead person, but I've seen God raise the dead. I've never, I've, I've been in all kinds of tight situations. I was in one place where I had asked the brother, do you think they're going to lynch us? He said, I'm not sure. I thought, well, if this is my time, this is my time, but I'm going to go believing. And you get into situations in life where you don't know, but you've seen God do so much, you just know, one day, I don't know what day, but one day there'll be something happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The powers of God that are on the inside will come to its maturity because A, the bride recognizes who she is, B, because the last member of the body is in, and all of the, all the wheels of God will turn into position and it'll go click. Body change time. Hallelujah. And all of a moment, it'll happen. Anybody reading, anybody reading the third family altar book right now? The third one. Who's in the third one? Just a few of you. 
All right. You remember October 23rd? Brother Bram talked about his daughter was sick. She was sick. Rebecca was sick just last week. And, and someone, a minister wrote me from a way to remind me of it. I'm actually in book one myself. But uh, and he, and he was, daughter was sick. He says he prayed for her and nothing happened. He says then the next day they had to travel somewhere to go pray for somebody else. And he prayed for his daughter again and she was still sick. And it looked like, oh, she said to her dad, oh, dad, it feels like I could die. So it must have been a little girl. And she was in terrible, terrible sickness. And he just, he, he just was feeling so bad for her and everything. And then all of a sudden, he said, all of a sudden, he says, it was like, wait a second. This is just the devil. And he opened the car door and I think he laid hands on his daughter. And he said, Satan, I rebuke you. He says, he says, the world could have turned over at that moment. And then he makes a statement. He says, I wish it was that way all the time. But it's not. Sometimes you go through something and you go through another something, you go through another something, and all of a sudden, God comes on the scene. Hallelujah. One of these days, it's going to be all of a sudden, and this body will be changed. All of a sudden, and this mortal will become immortality. All of a sudden, I'll have made my last mistake. All of a sudden, I'll have thought my last bad thought. All of a sudden, I'll have gone through my last temptation because when you know all things, you can't be tempted anymore. All of a sudden, everything will just come right into line to what a son of God has been quickened to be and will be caught up together with those that are resurrected to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah, there'll be a rejoicing. There'll be a rejoicing. Isaiah 65 says that I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall be rem- shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Hallelujah. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, the bride, a rejoicing. And her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. John takes it further in Revelation 21 as he sees the new heavens and the new earth and Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven as a bride. He says, I heard the voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his God and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hallelujah. Talk about a rejoicing. It'll just be a continual rejoicing on the other side as the musicians come. Brother Branham says in the sixth seal, he says, I've never told this. He says, I had a dream. I never told this publicly before. I told it to a couple of people, but never publicly as I know of. He says, I dreamed that I was standing one day. I was watching, not the judgment, but I believe the bride. I don't believe the bride goes into judgment, but I was there when the crowns were being given out. He says, and a great big throne set up there. And Jesus and the recording angel and all was standing there. And there was a stair steps like, he says, coming down this way of white ivory and run down in a circle and made a great panoramic like that and went out. I don't know what it'd be like. Maybe just a great flight of stairs come around. 
He says, I'm watching the throne. And then it just goes right on out. He says, a great staircase made of ivory. And he says, I was standing way back to one side and I was just standing there. Never an idea that I had to walk them steps. I was standing there and I'd see a recording angel would call a certain name. And I recognized that name. And I looked and way back out there, here come the brother walking or the sister. And walk up there like that and the recording angel standing there by the side of Christ. Just a dream now, he says. And was watching and their names was on there. And it was found in the book of life. And he'd look over at, out over them and say, it was well done, my good and faithful servant. Now enter in. I looked back where they was going and there was a new world and joys and said, enter into the joys of the Lord. That's been yours since the foundation of the world, see. And oh, I thought they go through there and meet one another and just rejoicing. Going over mountains in great big places. Listen, saints, there'll be a gathering on the other side. Maybe not exactly like the dream. That's why Brother Brown said it was a dream. But it, but he talked about how that the people would come and they'd go to get their rewards. And they just go right on into eternity. Rejoicing. Skipping over the mountains. Just going right up into glory. Hallelujah. He says, what were they doing? They were rejoicing. There was nothing to be sad about anymore. Amen. There was no more sorrows anymore. He says, he says, oh, he says, I hear another name. Oh, I know him. I know him. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Oh, I said, praise God. Praise God. I'll tell you what, when we get on the other side and we see everybody that's made it, when we see one another over there. And we look at it and we, we say, you know, I could call names, but I, I'm not going to call names. But we look at the brother. We look at somebody that maybe at one time we had a disagreement with. I'll tell you, it won't be over there. It'll be glory to God. They made it. Hallelujah. Look at it. They're getting some rewards. Glory. Glory to God. Amen. We'll just be happy for each other. We'll just be thrilled about each other. I think we ought to bring a little bit of that into this dimension. Amen, he says. And so he says, oh, uh, just think they would say like Orman Neville. And I'd say, oh, that's old brother Neville. There he is. And here he come out of the crowd, go up there. And I hear him say, oh, enter thou into the joys of the Lord that's been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. Enter in. And old brother Neville just changed and just start back in there, just screaming and hollering. Hallelujah. I don't know if Brother Neville was a screamer or hollerer, but he was here. I'm actually kind of convinced I'm going to be a screamer and a hollerer on the other side. He says, boy, I just shout and say, glory to God, standing over there by myself, having a wonderful time watching my brethren go in. And then the recording angel said, William Branham, put your name there. What's it going to be like when I hear that name? Tim Dodd. Oh, there's something for me. What about when you hear your name? And you're there and they call it, the angel calls your name and you're like, I don't feel like I deserve anything. It's hard to believe, but he just called my name. And Brother Brown said, I didn't even think I'd ever walk those stairs. Here's a prophet of God that did so much for God. 
But he's thinking himself, I didn't ever think I'd have to walk them stairs. And he says, I was scared. I thought, oh my, well, I have to do that. And I went walking in there and just everybody patting me like that. Hi, Brother Branham. God bless you, Brother Branham. I hope I'm there to pat him on the back. Patting me as I go through a great big crowd and all of them reaching over and patting me. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. Amen. It's still good on the other side. And I was going, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I was coming out of a meet, like I was coming out of a meeting or something else. And I was going to have to walk these great big ivory steps. And I started walking up through there and I just made my first step and I stopped. And I thought I looked at his face and I thought I want to get a good look at him this way. And I stopped and I had my hands like this and I felt like, Something slipped in my arm and it was somebody else's arm. And I looked around and there stood Hope. Them big black eyes and the dark hair hanging back, hanging down her back, white robed on her. He hadn't seen her for a long time. Many, many years. And he said, there she was, white robe on, looking up at me like that. And I said, Hope. And I felt something hit this arm and looked around and there was Mita. And I remember it's a dream. And so he says, them dark eyes looking up and the black hair hanging down, white robe on. And I said, Mita. And they looked one another. And, you know, I, th- I got them in my arms and we went up and I, and I woke up. He says, I got. I got up and sat down in a chair. And cried. He said, you know, I thought, oh God, I hope that comes like that. Don't you? Both associated with me in life and bringing children and things like that. And now we're walking into the new world where, oh my, where perfection and everything. He said, it's going to be a wonderful thing. Don't miss it. By the grace of God, do all you can do. And then it'll be up to God to take care of the rest. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Be flat. You, you, you have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard of dear
Father. Wonderful Jesus. Name above every name. Holy in every respect. As the scripture says, Lord, there's no shadow of turning in you, Lord. There's no dark spots in you, Lord. It's all light. We just want to acknowledge the greatness of your name, the majesty of your presence, the grace of your redemptive work, Lord, in our lives. There's nobody here. There's nobody on the earth. Even John found it so in Revelation. No man in heaven or earth or under the earth was found worthy to open the book or to loose the seals or to look thereon. But Lord, you took the book. You broke the seals that our rejoicing time could come. The toil of life and the labors of this world are nothing to be compared with the revelation that has been given to us, O God. Let not our eyes depart from what you have done, O God. Lord, when life gets hard and difficult and the battle, the struggles get grievous in our lives, the burdens, Lord, loved ones, different ones, O God, that we're so burdened for, Lord. Nevertheless, Father, may you constantly remind us that your word will never fail. And we believe that, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that doesn't have that in their heart. And they might even want to right now slip up their hand in some way. Say, Lord, send your light by my way. Take me above this earthly plane. Lift me up into heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Lord, you see if there's any hands that are raised. You see them, oh God. They're raising them to you, Lord. Because they believe that you're able to do it. And I pray that your presence would go by their way. As you're here in this room tonight, Lord, may you quicken hearts. Lord, may you break fetters of the enemy. Lord, may you may you loose captives tonight. May you lift up and and may you secure the brokenhearted, Lord. And may you give liberty, O God, to them that are bound. In every way, Lord, I pray you'd move in the fulfillment of your word. Move supernaturally. Cause your anointing to be upon your word that will meet the need of the hour, Lord. We commit this service to you, Father. We commit our lives to you. We love you, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. I want to thank you, Lord. If I don't live another day, I want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to walk in this light. I don't feel like I've missed anything in this world of careers and money and bank accounts and toys of this world. Oh, God, what an empty void those things are. But Lord, in you is all joy and peace and love and comfort and oh, so many good things, Lord. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to walk with you, oh God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for each and every one that's here. Those that are out over the internet, Lord, wherever it might be. Lord, maybe somebody's just communing with you right now. 
Thank you, Lord, that we can commune with you. We love you and commit ourselves afresh into your hands tonight for the glory of the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I sing for joy and Amen. God bless you. You can just linger. You can go. Whatever you want to do. But the service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shake hands with one another.